Welcome to part two of Cisco's Wi-Fi Best Practice Podcast. So, we've talked a lot of stuff, what is Wi-Fi, how it works, the different standards, we've got Wave 1, Wave 2, multi-MIMO, multi-user MIMO. There we go. Um, so that's the technology, and we've talked a lot about that. And but where, what kind of things do you see? You mean about deploying? What, what kind of things do people listening to this podcast need to think about when they're deploying Wi-Fi? I mean, what are them? I mean, are we are we deploying Wi-Fi for coverage? Is it for for, for density? What, what are we? What are the sort of the yeah. tips and the tr- of the trade? I like to say from you two guys because you guys have been doing this along. You are our, I mean, I'd say our top Wi-Fi experts in, in the UK. So yeah, I think um, the key thing is RF matters. You know, so don't um, don't try and install access points uh, behind metal, metallic objects or behind pipe work. You know, uh, there are mechanisms that we can employ to make sure that you get the right coverage in the right area. So where possible, always do a site survey, you know, um, and, and make sure you get the access points in the right location. But it is fundamentally about user experience. Now. Mm. Yeah. It's, so, it's really you know, making sure that your clients are connected at the right rate at the right location. So it's a uh, survey for capacity, not coverage. Yeah, so it's all yeah. about performance. So it's about, yeah. and, and, and where it used to be, yeah, we just need Wi-Fi in the office, you, you deploy Wi-Fi so you get coverage every single part of the office. Now it's about that. Because mm-hmm. of the number of clients we have there, it's, it's about the density. Yeah. So absolutely. deploy for density, high density of users, even though you might not think you've got high density users yeah. or high density areas. But I bet you, if you looked at everyone around the office and said, right, times every person by three, mm-hmm. that's a lot of devices. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think... It's uh, you're absolutely right to say that RF RF matters, and I think the, the the key point here is that it's all down to to planning. Either either you'll invest the money up front. My old sergeant major had a sack acronym for that about planning. Yeah, proper, proper, proper <laughs> plan. Yeah, proper planning prevents poor performance. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I, I, I always say to customers, either you're going to invest the money up front in a decent partner who really understands RF, who's going to do a decent site survey, who understands the difference between the way that the 5 gigahertz and 2.4 gigahertz bands mm. operate. So th- this is a really important thing if you've got a legacy wireless network that you're replacing, that 9 times out of 10, that if, if that was sort of 5 plus years ago, that would have been surveyed probably for 2.4 gigahertz. 5 gig behaves differently. Typically, you're going to have smaller cells, which means that you typically so you, need because of the higher fees. So higher frequency, less it doesn't travel so far. Exactly right. The wiggly yeah. waves don't travel that far. Right. Exactly. So you, 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 it's, it's really important to get that planning correct, and it's far cheaper to get that planning correct at day one than to go back and remediate in six months' time when you, you throw these access points into the ceiling and then you get you get issues with, with user experience. So absolutely, first and foremost, get that AP placement, get your AP density um, right from from the off. Um, can, you, can you do sort of like have a, have a site survey... For high for, for for a higher capacity network, but yeah. only de- and then deploy for a, not deploy as much. So then you can go right. I've got my site survey. I'm going to deploy some of the access points out, and as my um, maybe because the mid customer doesn't have enough budget, mm. uh, and then what they then can do is go right. When I get more budget, then they can then add more access points. But you've done your site survey already. 
Yeah. Is that a consideration? Is that yeah, a right thing or not? I don't know. It, it could be. I guess. I mean, not again. I if you've got the, if you've got guys coming into in, into the uh, into your 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 building, putting ladders up, they're running cables, then often it makes sense just to get just it right get it all day done, one. Get yeah. it right day one. Okay, that's a fair one because because that's something that I've seen some of that when we talk about location, because, mm-hmm. and, I, and that's going to be a topic for another podcast. Uh, for using Wi-Fi for location tracking and, and, and things like that and analytics and, and we'll definitely talk more about that on another podcast but then they've said about deploy your Wi-Fi for you mean site site survey for location but deploy it for normal yeah. high density users but yeah, as in true. when you want to do location you know when you're going to when you when you're going to put those access but you made a real good point there of if you're going to do it you might as well while well, you've got the step ladders out the cherry pickers out you might that's as well it. get it all done isn't it absolutely because that's, that's the only thing is that we sort of sometimes forget is, I mean when we, yeah. uh, we we go yeah we these access points at this point but there's a lot there's still cost to getting the access points in the ceiling mm. or getting them down and back up again isn't it it's still yeah. a a consi- I mean, that's a cost consideration so trying yeah. to get that right straight away well one thing that's worth just just uh, bringing up is that often you, you want to understand at a high level for budgetary purposes or what have you uh, how many how many access points you're likely to need in your um, in your environment so we've we've bought out and this is uh, actually unfortunately only available to partners today but we have a, a, an online RF planning tool uh, and do we? we do have an online RF planning tool which will give you the ability to upload a floor plan and to, to get that uh, that rough and is that is that so that's a really good point because we've always I mean I've always said you've got to have a good site survey and you, mm-hmm. and you guys have stipulated that as well so is a is a I don't know a paper based or a computer software based site survey is that good enough it's good enough for budgetary purposes, I would say. So it's going to so give, it'll give you, you the number of eight, and it'll give you the number of access points that you need. So at least you know what you can, what your budgets are, and what you need to. Order. Yeah, I mean, plus or minus ten, fifteen, twenty percent. Um, it's going to get you to the right to the right area, so that when you're going to ask for budget, that you've got a rough idea of yeah. of how much that's okay. going to be. Um, I, I wouldn't rely on that a hundred percent, and and the reason for that is because RF is. Uh, RF is, is a bit of a dark art in some ways in that if you've got something hidden in your walls if you've got foil backed insulation if you've got uh, if you've got special screening on your windows to, to, to keep heat in and cold out then that all makes RF behave in a slightly different way and, and of course a software based tool has no idea yeah um, so the end of that you still need, so it gives you a budgetary gives you an idea um, and, and you mean you guys have got loads of experience in it, so it's sounding like that. You I mean site software soft surveys are okay, yep. but if you really want to make sure you have a, a well-performing, great user experience Wi-Fi network, it's you got to get that proper physical site survey. Yeah, yeah. there's no substitute for an on-site survey. You know, yeah. It's always, where possible, it's always the best option to go for. Um, yeah. Clearly, not every customer is going to want to do that for for various reasons, um, but certainly, you know, we can assist them with planning if if, if that's an option. Okay, yeah. cool. So one thing that we so we've talked a lot about reliable reliability. How do you get a good reliable network to add to your site survey things like that? What about performance and how do you ensure great performance, especially when you've got a lot of devices all trying to get onto the Wi-Fi? They may be all, all automatically trying to download operating system updates or yeah. app updates. How do you dry? How do you ensure that you have? I mean, especially a lot of people are starting to deploy. Um, voice and video mm-hmm. on, on yeah. devices. I mean, we're, we're you mean we're starting to see uh, a lot of, of uh, 
link, Microsoft link going out, or people yeah. are looking at it. You I mean obviously we have Cisco Jabber as well yeah. uh, for that for voice and video. So how do you ensure these business critical, mission yeah. critical applications? I mean, they might not be voice and video. It might be sort of like some sort of clin- clinical app, maybe, yeah. um, or virtual learning environments, for example, or, or other business apps that you have. How do you ensure that they get best performance of those apps? Well, there's, a, there's a number of features that are built into the, to the wireless LAN system or the wireless LAN controllers, um, which we can effectively understand what traffic's going through. So if you've got two different applications, we can um, do an inspection upon that traffic, we can identify it and then we can potentially give it a higher priority if it's business critical or if you're surfing YouTube, you can drop that. You know. So, you, so you're basically saying is that on the Wi-Fi network, you can actually identify the applications running over the network? Mm. Absolutely, and, yeah, yeah. And you can apply parameters to that. So if it's voice, for example, then you give it a high quality and it's uh, honoured as it traverses your network. All so, right, okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot happening in this space, as, as you can imagine. So we... we Gone are the days when you had a, a device called a phone which talked voice and you had a device called a laptop which talked data. We're now doing everything on, on all of our devices. So we, we don't have the luxury of segmenting the network by device and giving a different device a different quality of service setting. So we really have to have this application awareness to be able to, to apply these different policies. Um, we've also uh, introduced some capability to, to hook into the uh, Microsoft Link or the the Skype for Business um, SDN uh, API, and that gives the ability to uh, to display all of the quality of service parameters, all of the statistics around calls, all your MOZ scores, all of those sorts of things on the wireless LAN controller for for those um, link calls. That okay, uh, and also Cisco Jab. I'm sure that we can. Uh, yeah, we can do some uh, we can do some cool stuff with uh, with Java around APKM and uh, yeah, pro- probably um, we we could we could talk about this for another <laughs> half an hour. But, uh, yeah, there's lots happening on that space with with um, ABC application visibility and control um, things like our work with Apple. So uh, as as a number of you will be aware, we we launched. In, uh, in sort of late summer 2015, so a couple of couple of months ago, we we launched our partnership with Apple, where we're, we're committing to make Apple devices work significantly better on a Cisco wireless network. That's really um, good to know. Yeah. So when when we're talking about using uh, doing voice and video on a, on an Apple device, um, we we're, we're working out the the detail of of that integration um, at the moment, and and that's basically going to give us enhanced quality of service for, yeah. for for voice and video coming out of an Apple device. So this this it sounds like we can optimize the applications that are on the network on the Cisco Wi-Fi. Yeah. That's what the Cisco Wi-Fi network, because that's obviously important. Um, there's other things we've done in hardware. Yeah, so we've got some really neat features. Um, it's another acronym. It's called HDX, which oh, is <laughs> come on, now, Jason. High density experience. This. There we go. High density experience. That's essentially what it is. And what, what that effectively is is a number of features that we've introduced into the wireless uh, access points, which ensure that you know we can effectively control at what point a client connects to the network. 
And we can also uh, control at what point we disconnect them from the network. And, and effectively what that's doing is ensuring that your clients are connected at the optimal performance as you prescribe in your configuration. So, uh, for instance... If that's you're sounding quite eyeful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> come on. What does that really mean? <laughs> so, it, it's, it's optimised roaming. Um, <laughs> that's essentially what it is. <laughs> it, it means that we can guarantee that if a client connects, they're going to connect at a certain data rate that you want. So, it's, I think it's going back to that elastic band thing you talked about. And mm. basically what it means mm. is that you will never let a device stretch that elastic band so 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 long and thin that they're yeah. getting such slow data rates mm. and because only one client connect at any one time if a client's sort of hanging on the edge of your Wi-Fi network yeah. and, and slowing really everybody else down it is it drags the whole performance down so the example is I associate to my corporate network I'm still associated, I walk outside the building, I get in my car, I start driving home and I'm still associated to the Wi-Fi, but at the, at the, at the uh, same instance, I'm dragging down the performance of the whole network just because my client is still associated right at the edge of that side. And that's, that's the nature of the protocol yeah. of, of 802.11, mm. so it's, it it's not something that only happens on Cisco, it happens on all vendor networks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, because only one client at a time, until that client disassociates, and clients are naughty, they're not... They're all built by different vendors, different mm. manufacturers, different chipsets, and they all behave sometimes slightly, di- and they all behave slightly differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that we, that the people listening to the podcast need to remember is that you I mean you can build a Wi-Fi network, but the client will still do what it wants to do. Absolutely, yeah. There's there's a lot of decisions that that, that client is making that um, we we really we we can influence on the on the infrastructure side, but. Ultimately, it's still the client's decision which access point it connects to, at which point that client roams, all of these kind of things. So we can we, we've got various features in HDX, as, as mm-hmm. Jason rightly describes, um, which can force the hand of that client. But ultimately, if you've got a really poor, uh, poorly behaved client or a really badly written driver. Um, then, then that's something that you've got to change on, on the client. There's yeah. only so much we can do. On and, and, but that optimised roaming piece will, helps to improve that greatly. It does. Because you'll, 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 you'll be forcing them to go, go away, go roam, either go off onto 3G, 4G, or yeah. roam onto another access point. Because I, I know I'm sat in my car, and the one thing I always notice when I'm in the car outside the house, I'm still connected to the Wi-Fi because mm. the drive's next right next door to the to my Wi-Fi network. So. Yeah. Um, so that's really good. So what are the things we got in this Super HDX stuff? So you've also got um, uh, something called Client Link, which is uh, Cisco's version of, of beamforming. Right, okay. So, and, and again, what that does is if, you're, if your client's um, in a certain cell coverage, they're going to get a certain data rate of throughput. And what we'll do is we, we logically steer, um, based on how we hear that client, we all logically steer our signal to that client to make them uh, better performance. You so know, you just give them a stronger signal strength. So hmm. when I looked at this years ago, you mean when we turned beamforming off, you you could be connected maybe at say I don't know in, the, in those days it was it was, it was probably maybe pre N, but you'd be connected or it might be just start then. So it was hmm. you connect at maybe I don't know. Um, I don't know, maybe 36 megabits per second because I've moved further away from the access point. You yeah. turn beam forming on, and because it's focusing the RF energy on my on the device, mm-hmm. that banged right up to back up to 54 megs or, yeah. or even higher. So yeah. that's principal, principal, principally what beam forming does, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 what we're doing is trying to improve the user experience again. So if you're at a higher data rate, you can shift your traffic a lot quicker, which means that other clients can get onto the yeah. Wi-Fi network. Yeah. So it's 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 the benefit of the whole network certainly, and. Um, 
that's one of the features. The other ones are um, uh, optimized roaming, as we mentioned, and there's also there's uh, another one I like. Turbo performance, which is a high speed super Wi Fi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that that's one that I, I I'm, you know, I know it's got a, a highfalutin marketing type name, but it, yeah. it, it but what is it? So uh, I guess we're fortunate within Cisco that we manufacture our own silicon that goes into our access points, which means we can effectively tweak it to add innovation into into the hardware, not just the software. So uh, one of the innovations is we've added more CPU and RAM onto the radio interface, which means we're servicing clients a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately, that means we can support a lot more clients more competently from our access points. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's certainly a benefit in, in a high-density environment. Yeah, there's, there's a really good video, isn't there? Of, yeah. I think we've got 60, 60 clients all streaming high-density yes. Uh, high-density, high high-definition <laughs> video. Um, well, you can find that on YouTube, isn't you, it? So you if can, you go on yeah. YouTube and search Cisco WLAN, uh, yeah, no, all, all kinds of videos on there. But yeah, this is, this is a really nice one that shows so sixty clients all streaming this high def video um, over over eleven AC from one single access point, uh, and there's some really interesting results in there. So it's so well worth um, well worth a look. And, that, and, and that's, that's the really bit, and that's the bit I like about sort of that that we manufacture on silicon because we put that CPU memory into the radio, and what that does is is it improves because. Like we've all, we, I keep it reiterating through this. I mean, only one client can speak at any one time unless you go into multi-user MIMO. Yeah. But only one client speaking at a time. So you want to get that device on the network, transmit it, stay in an office as quickly as possible. And because we have it's a it's a polite protocol, when it hears energy or somebody else speaking, a device will back off. Mm. And because of the the way we we use that turbo performance, we we can optimize that back off time so mm. to be quicker. So instead of taking going away, I'm going to go and wait ages and ages and ages, and then I'll try again. Yeah, it's about I'll go away, wait a bit, and then try again, and then get back on the network as quickly as possible to transmit my data because that's part of that turbo performance. It is absolutely. Yeah, think of it. I guess like queue management. I suppose. Yeah, you, yeah. You've got if you you've got a great big queue in an airport, you've got you've you've got somebody walking walking down that line saying, "Can you move to this uh, to this area, sir? You go to that desk. You go to this desk. Everybody shove up." It's you've got somebody actively managing that, that and making queue. it quicker and yeah. being a quick. So one of those security guys going right, you go that lane, you go that lane, you go. There's somebody who's actually working a lot quicker because we've got that extra CPU and memory in, in, in the EP. Great. Right. So we've talked about performance. We've got some great great. You mean a chain of your experience on on reliability and how I have a great performing Wi-Fi network? What about security? I mean, that's something that always comes up. Wi-Fi security. I mean, I remember the. the I mean, it was inherently insecure because they it were was. using WEP. Yeah, which which was a well, I can't remember I, I, wired equivalent privacy. Mm. So actually, I wrote my dissertation at university about web and uh, oh, why yeah. it was uh, why it was terrible. So I can talk to you in but please uh, not maybe for another <laughs> podcast. I can share twenty thousand words with you about web, but <laughs> please don't. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I mean the great. Uh, the great thing about having gone through all of that pain a dozen years ago is is that we've come out the other side. We've learned an awful lot as an industry about about how to secure wireless networks or how not yeah. to secure wireless networks from from, from then. Um, we, we're now at a point where we've got um, WPA2, which which is encrypting the data. Um, we're using .1x for authentication. We can 
use certificates to, to authenticate yeah. clients. We can use uh, your Microsoft Active Directory if, if you want to, uh, to authenticate clients in that way. So we've got some really robust, well-proven, SOAP-tested technologies for securing wireless from, from an authentication and encryption point of view that mean that really... Nine times out of ten, a, a customer's wireless network is going to be more secure than, than their Ethernet network. Yeah, because unless you're doing dot one x on the wide network, mm. because of the encryption methods, because you're using authentication, you're using yeah. certificates, and your wireless network is inherently more secure. It is, absolutely. Okay. So it's, I mean, really... In, in my part of the world, in enterprise, it comes up very, very rarely, to be honest with you. And, and the reason for that, not, not belittling the problem, absolutely, security is, is absolutely important. But it's well understood, it's robust, it, there's no significant known weaknesses. I don't think there's been anything in the press. You see a lot of people getting hacked, yeah. even hacking, people hacking people's servers. There's been plenty on, on, in the press recently. One thing I never hear about anymore, or haven't heard for a long time, is about someone's Wi-Fi network yeah. being hacked. Yeah, if you're doing proper enterprise deployment of yeah. .1x, WPA2, certificates, it's, it's just too it's, it's too hard work. There's other, other there are easier, still easier ways of, of getting onto someone's network. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the encryption, AES encryption, which is used as part of WPA2, is so robust, you know, that at the moment, at least we're not aware of any mechanism to crack that. So the hacker, if you like, will always go for the easier option, so it will be the client. You know, if that client's visible via the internet, then it will be uh, an email sent to that client, and using mechanisms such as that. So it's very rare that someone will actually use uh, a, a good 802.1x with AES encryption, there's, there's no mechanism to hack yeah. into that, as far as we're aware. Yeah, and we've got a, another podcast that goes very deep into, into mm. Wi-Fi security and how to deploy mm. it, especially for, for government standards um, as well. The other thing we talk about is policy a lot nowadays, though, because mm. we, we've talked about application policies and policies you can put onto the network to make sure all your applications have been performing well. But what about security policies? How do we enforce policy onto the network? So, I mean, we have a, a device called uh, Cisco Identity Services Engine. So we, we term that as ICE or ISE. Um, but that's a very, very good centralized uh, device where you can um, create policies for your Wi-Fi network and effectively deploy that at the edge. Um, so you can say, well, actually, I've got a bunch of Apple devices, Apple iPads. I want them to connect to my network, but I only want them to access the Internet. So they authenticate, um, go to a back-end directory, authenticate those users and then they're on but internet only and an access list can be pushed yeah. down to, to your wireless and controllers but conversely that same user using the same ID and credentials could log on from a different device which could be a Windows device for example and get a totally different access profile based upon mm-hmm. a policy which we define in identity. So it's not just about so when I first came into Wi-Fi and security and .1x was about once you're on you're on you can have access to everything Yeah. now it's about well, depending on who you are, what device you're connecting, maybe you're doing bring your own device. Mm. Uh, or or you're, maybe you're a guest user, maybe you're a, a, a temporary worker, maybe you're a contractor. Depending on who you are and maybe even the time of day or location you're coming in from, yeah. we can actually restrict over the Wi-Fi network by having this ISE, mm-hmm. what you have access to. So it's like your control point on the network, on your Wi-Fi network, that enforces what your policy what your business policy is. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, I mean, to, to your point, 
that, that back in the olden days you were you didn't have this level of control. So what people did is that they, if they had a different group of devices or a different group of users, they would spin up a different SSID, a different wireless network yeah. that, that managed that group of you, users. You, 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 you saved yourself then. There we so go. I you got to spin <laughs> on the SSID. So. so the challenge with that is that I mean I've I've spoken to customers that have got a dozen, fifteen wireless networks that they're broadcasting at, at their site. And every one of those networks takes to, to, to just to send that management traffic, just to broadcast that um, that, that network name, takes takes time. It takes it takes it, bandwidth. It takes bandwidth. It? It takes the more the more networks you're advertising, the more bandwidth you're taking up just, just on management, management yeah. Yeah. not on actual data. Yeah. So, what do you recommend? What are the recommendations then for the number of SSIDs that somebody should have? I know we've gone slightly off the policy piece, but mm. the policy piece and having that control point allows you to have minimal. Uh, yeah. Network names, Wi-Fi names, Wi-Fi it, networks. Absolutely. So uh, I guess if you look at uh, look at what we do internally, so we've got how many employees? Seventy thousand employees. We've got literally hundreds of thousands of devices on two SSIDs. So we have wireless network. corporate, which is Blizzard, yep. and guest. Exactly. So, so what, what, one, what are the what are the you've always you, you have a, a sort of a rule of thumb, don't you? About how yeah. many should have? Network. I think yeah, a good a good network should probably try and uh, reduce their wireless networks, probably down to around about uh, maybe three or even four. So no more than four. Then, yeah, yeah that's, that's probably a good rule of thumb because that just reduces the overhead across the Wi-Fi and the utilisation and retries. But I think that that's where the benefit of the identity services engine comes in because you can define a policy in there for your different user groups. As opposed to advertising. So you can segment networks. your Wi-Fi network not by the, having the different SSIDs mm. or, or network names or different Wi-Fi networks. You're segmenting your network by policy and user. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So that's really good. So we covered security. Um, you mean Wi-Fi is, is is inherently the the main way people connect, especially when you sort of look at in universities and, yeah. and in hospitals. I mean, I don't know what it's like in, in well, we're in a, we're in a business, we're an enterprise ourselves, and we're always Wi-Fi. I haven't plugged into a network since I don't know when. Mm. So the one thing that that becomes a, is a bit of a single point of failure, though, isn't it? If your Wi-Fi network keels over, what well, then nobody, everyone's going to be running around looking for wide ports. But mm. I'd be most probably running around trying to find where to where to plug it into because none of my devices I have is an Ethernet port anymore. Yeah, so I'll struggle with that. So how do we how do how do we make sure that this 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 medium of connecting to information is is always on. Yeah, mm. yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's certainly something that's become more and more important over the last uh, last five years or so. I would say. So there's a number of ways to answer that question. For, firstly, you want to make sure that from a radio level, you've got the, the best uh, best possible experience. So you, you're identifying if you've got a source of interference which is is disrupting that that communication so we can use clean air which is the spectrum analysis capability in the access points to tell yeah. you uh, to tell you if there's a source of interference um, it, it doesn't happen very often but access points sometimes fail so the way to, to, to design around that is to make sure that you've got the right density of access points deployed, make sure that you've got those access points are operating at uh, not, not at full power. And what that means is that we can use a, a, a capability called coverage hole detection. So if we, if we see an access point which goes offline, if it fails for whatever reason, 
then the surrounding access points will increase their power to, to fill that coverage hole. So there's a number and of... And that's been around for a while, isn't yeah, it? Yes, I mean, that's yeah. right. And the one thing but we have... Really, uh, it's, 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 an important, it's an important thing when we're talking about availability. Yeah, and the one thing that, that we haven't talked about, which is important, is that, you I mean, in the old days, we'd have a... Uh, you went out and, and you deployed a wireless network, and I remember doing this, and, and, and every single access point you'd configure and say, you're on this power, you're on this channel, you're on this power, you're on this channel. And... This has all been automated now with the introduction of controllers, which have been yeah. out for a long time. And it, it, whether it's a controller, whether it's physical, whether it's in the cloud, whether it's wherever, but there still needs to be that controller technology because it's that controller technology that allows you to do that clean air management, yeah. allows you to do your RF optimization that automates which channel, which frequency, uh, which power setting those APs go on and, and enables that coverage hole detection yeah. as well, and and that's something that we haven't talked we, we, we haven't talked about much, but it is important to, 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 to sort of mention it and in leading that into. So when we talk about high availability, is if if a, if we talked about when an AP fails, mm. so we talked about interference. Also, when an AP fails, the other APs will pick up the hole. But what happens if that sort of controller technology? fails. Mm. So for example if you do have a, a wireless LAN controller out there what can we do to, to what happens then and what can we do to improve that? Mm. I think we're, we're kind of fortunate that being Cisco we've got a fairly large portfolio so we can introduce controllers at pretty much most uh, most components um, you know, we, we have controllerless solutions or we have controller based solutions, mm -hmm. we have virtual controllers, we have uh, controllers built into switches or access points, so we're fairly flexible with that and that adds its own complexity then, so how do you make that controller available all the time? So we've got mechanisms called high availability stateful switchover, which is effectively... What does that mean? It's a sub-second failover, uh, so you have a live wireless controller which is managing your RF access points or network and um, you'll have another controller which is um, connected to that, either directly or via a, uh, a geographically separate device. Uh, but effectively what that means is, is um, the database and the clients and the access points are backed up to that secondary device. So if a failure occurs on your primary device, um, there'll be no noticeable uh, impact to service uh, to your Wi-Fi. The way you always used to, again, I keep saying the old days, but you mean if you have a controller and you normally have, you mean it's your single point of failure, so you have a backup controller. And yep. we used to, so we used to have two controllers that you go right. Okay, I've got five hundred APs on that one. I've got a license for five hundred APs on the other one. We then brought out a high availability controller, so basically, which was just a, 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 a dumb piece of metal, but would then take over the licensing and the mm. management of the control of the APs. And that would take time because if a controller fails, then all the APs have to rehome onto the, yep. the new controller, which takes time. Imagine now if you've got a, a big campus network, that could take time because yep. every single one of those APs needs to rejoin the controller. Um, and then that's where the all stateful switchover comes in now because that's made that, yep. that controller swap over instantaneous then. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not losing the state because that's the difference of you could be on a video call or a phone call or, or you could be browsing the internet and you wouldn't, what would normally happen is you'd lose the connection and you'd re have to reconnect again. Now yeah. your connection stays up. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the key the key thing is is, is exactly as you said that the client doesn't have to reconnect. So where we could we could make sure that that access point joins its secondary controller. Back in the olden days, maybe that would take sixty seconds for that AAP to find its new home. But then you've got 
hundreds or thousands of clients that are, are then saying, oh, what, what just happened to my wireless network? And they've got to go away and they've got to get a new one. So what, I think the, the point that you raised there about the, the, the clients is a really important one because back back in the olden days, we could we could handle the AP recovery. We could get that AP to find its secondary controller and maybe that would take 60 seconds or so. But then all of those clients, there could be hundreds of thousands of hundreds or thousands of clients that are then homeless. They, they've disconnected from the wireless network, so they've got to read DHCP, they've got to re-authenticate. So you're going to have an in, enormous load of all of these clients having to get, get an IP address and talk to your, your radio server all at the same time. So that can take an, an indeterminate amount of time. That, that, could be, yeah. uh, that, that could have a big impact on the rest of the network. So the fact that those clients stay connected in the event of a controller failure now is, is really, really important. So that's, that's great because as, as you very, when we go back to like you said originally, Jason, it's the, it's the experience, isn't it? It's the, yeah. that user experience and they don't care. Imagine now you're in a university where the, the controller fails, everyone's there kicked off the network, and then all the students are saying, I need to get back on, I'm trying, yeah. I want to get back on. Yeah, so, I, mean, it's, I mean, the Wi-Fi is no longer nice to have. It, it, it is you know, a fundamental, crucial part of every environment. You know, everybody uses it. And certainly in higher education, it is the fundamental part of, of the learning environment. Yeah. You know, if they lose that, you lose the learning capability. You get a very unhappy, yeah. bunch of happy, unhappy yeah. students. Absolutely. And, um, we have, I've, I've had lots of experience, as, as well as yourself, of when, when the Wi-Fi network doesn't work in university, we get lots of calls. So, um, so that's really good. So, you mean, are we, are we at the stage of a wireless, a wireless only office? You, you wrote a blog about this the other day, didn't hmm. you? So what's this wireless only office? Yeah, so, so really I, th- I think because of everything that we've spoken about, that we've got much better performance, we're, we're much more comfortable about security, we're, we're much more comfortable about how to design a reliable network, we're, we're comfortable about availability. This has led a lot of people to think, well, actually cabling costs me quite a lot of money and, and can I do away with running a cable to, to every desk? And by and large, the, uh, the answer is... It's generally, it depends. So, <laughs> so, so there's no definitive answer yet then. <laughs> All right, okay. So Thanks for that, Brad. <laughs> so what, what I would say is if the, if the client moves, so if it's, if it's a laptop, a tablet, a, a smart, smart device, if that, if that client is inherently mobile, then you should consider to be wireless to be, to be the primary network for that device. If, if, the, if the device doesn't move, so if it's a multifunction printer, if it's a telepresence, device if it's a screen on the wall uh, desktop pc desktop pc then plug it in ultimately what we've what we've spoken about right at the beginning is that uh, is that, that wireless is is finite it's it's not we're, we're ultimately putting zeros and ones onto radio waves and we that there isn't an infinite amount of radio waves that we're able to put noughts and ones onto so if we can if we can Basically, put those immobile devices, plug them into an Ethernet cable, then that gives us greater capacity for the entire for the entire system, so that we're reserving the radio waves for those devices that, that, that really need them. So if it moves, Wi-Fi. If it doesn't move, plug it in. Exactly. And so, we, we, so that inherently means you're going to be reducing the number of wired ports that you would need in a. Hmm. So it is something that customers to think about when they come to looking at refreshing their networks. It is. Is to say, right? Do we need that number of ports? But with the reduction of wide ports, you need to think about the increase of Wi-Fi. 
Yeah, because absolutely. high density is, I mean, is is something that's very common in universities. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at lecture theatres, and you, we've got that technology. We've talked about HDX in there, but there could be environments out there that a customer could think, "I didn't think that was a high density environment." Mm. But if you've got a lot of mobile users on mobile devices, it yeah. is something, and you need to make sure that you listen to all the things that these guys have talked, you guys have talked about, mm. to, to make sure you got that. So. One thing um, I, I would say on that point is that it's very often determined by the collaboration strategy. So, Ooh. if you're looking at from a, from a voice perspective, if you're if you're using a fo- if you're putting a phone on every desk, then you are running a cable to every desk, um, and you are putting an Ethernet port yeah. on the back of that phone that, that you, you've got, which also gives you some kind of um, resilience as as well. So, you, you've got to you've got to consider that uh, that wireless can be disruptive if, if somebody wants to come al- come along with an RF jammer then we can tell you that they've come along with an what's RF what's an jammer? RF jammer somebody comes along and plays a, plays a guitar or something and I've got a <laughs> so <laughs> sorry <laughs> this, this is so so back uh, back in the olden days, there there was the sort of urban legend of the Pringles can antenna. I don't think it was an urban legend. I think people did it. It's just because it's a tin full, it's a tin covered tube that we could. It's a wave guide. It's a wave yeah, guide. Oh, yeah, we're yeah. getting super tech again. But yeah, but that is is, is the good point though, isn't it? Is that you mean the end of the day, Wi-Fi is can be disruptive and and. Uh, by other things but that's why we you, you sort of make it right okay make sure high availability make sure you've got that clean air technology to spot those sources of interference yeah. and move away from it um, so you can actually identify it um, you've got the high availability piece as well yeah, uh, you've got your density you've got a higher density of, of deployment of access points to make sure that you're using so you can you can mitigate the risk you, you can really can, can, you really can uh, absolutely yeah so uh, but yeah uh, the, the the the, the the important point is that if you're if you're responsible for the wireless network in your organisation, then go and talk to the guys that are responsible for voice. They're, they're, they're going to have an opinion on whether yeah. or not you need and, a cable and, and, desk. and then when you look, a lot of customers are looking at Skype for business, hopefully Cisco Jabber as well, yeah. but, they, but they are looking at these things and they're going to be inherently run on a laptop mm. or a mobile device. Yeah. So, it, 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 you mean, whatever you think it is, it, it, you mean the collaboration technology... How you collaborate is fundamental to how you, to how you deploy your wireless. It is, and, and, and that's why you know, if, you, if you're using now a single device which has got a multitude of, of uh, functionalities such as video, voice and data from one device, then it's even more important that you have the visibility of that data as it's traversing the Wi-Fi network so you can appropriately quality of service yeah. that traffic. Okay. So... We've been going for a line. I think this is the longest podcast I think we've ever done. So... Uh, it, which is great because it's been it, we, we've we've got lots to talk about. So the one thing I just wanted to sort of finish off with is is the different ways of deploying wireless. So we've talked about the APs and we've talked mm. a lot about where to put them. You know, don't put them high metal. Mm. Uh, you need a high density of them or high density for for capacity because we're designing for capacity, not for coverage anymore. Yeah. And then we've talked a little bit about controllers and we introduced the, the concept of controllers and things like that and the con- controller functionality. I like to think more about the functionality of it. So. Um, when people are looking at it, you mean, what are the different deployment m- methods of, of, of this controller functionality? How do we do yeah. it? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll grab this one. So, really, you, you can you can put your controller wherever you want it. So, we have... <laughs> <laughs> we have... As, as Jason was explaining, we've got a, a very broad portfolio. So right down from you're, you're running a, uh, a, a small business, you, you want to have a, a single access point, 
then we can we can have we can have deployment where you use a single access point and we've got control capability on that AP that can then expand to to, to manage up to 20 25 access points something called mobility express so you can have basically one AP with the as that you have an AP that can start on its own then as you grow that network up to 25 APs you can add that controller functionality is built into an access point exactly right so you don't yeah. need to have a physical controller Correct. but the controller contro- functionality is built into an AP that's absolutely great right. so sort of scaling out slightly larger then we can use the control capability in something like a catalyst 3k switch so we've got integrated wireless controller capability in, in, the, in the switching. Into the switches themselves, um, yeah, okay. Into the access layer switch. Uh, we can embed a controller, a virtual controller, onto an, into a router. So we can onto a server? Onto a server. We can have a, a service provider scale controller which sits in a data center that will manage up to 6,000 access points per, per controller. So that's more like a, what we can say this is like a private cloud then. So if you, yeah. if, you, if you so if you for example if you're running a you don't put a controller in every building, you put your controller in a data center and let your APs go out and be be managed exactly. by that environment. Exactly okay. right. Uh, if you're running uh, a, an environment of sort of somewhere generally somewhere between sort of 25 and 1500 access points then you, you're, you're going to put a controller on site um, we've got various models that, that would fit into that part of the network um, so really we, we it's, it's fair to say we've got the broadest broadest controller portfolio in the industry right, okay. it, you, you can you really can put put your control capability wherever it makes most sense for you um, and of course we've got our public cloud offering which is uh, which is Cisco Meraki which is uh, absolutely industry leading in in terms of having a, a very simple to, to, to manage very uh, quick to deploy um, public cloud managed wireless network so really it, it, the choice is, the, the your, choice is, is yours, and, and I guess it's that. That's really what what our job in uh, in this room is to, to do is to help customers through that decision making. Yeah, so it, 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 it is. And we get asked a lot, and they say, "What do you recommend?" And yeah. we, we it's like, "Well, are you already using cloud? Are you already using cloud apps? Are you a high performance network? Are you do you already have controllers? Do you want to have that? Do you want to manage that yourself? Yeah. And, it, and, it, and, it, and those sort of questions will sort of lead you down to which way you want to go. What's right for the customer, isn't it? Because yeah. um, we, we have a lot of. You mean we tend to do a lot of. You mean a lot of the universities and their big hospitals and all that tend to have controllers and, and, and Cisco access points because it's a high performing network. And then we have, but when we have look at other other customers, uh, which we have, in, uh, we have some in public sector, some in the, in the justice sector, um, have deployed Meraki because they've got they've deployed it because they've got a widespread of different locations and offices. Mm. Uh, they want to provide uh, Wi-Fi for users, and the easiest way to deploy it and run it was with using the was using the public cloud of Meraki. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it also depends on on your capability as a customer to support and manage this as well. You know, if um, if your environment is going to be fairly challenging from an RF perspective, and you may want to go in there and start tweaking it and putting various parameters in there, then you know that, that could be a decision point on what architecture you're going to deploy um, versus you know whether it's on-prem or cloud, etc. So, you know, it, it's there are a number of factors involved now. But as you say, it's it's us guys in this room who will help the customers make that decision. Okay, brilliant. Well. Guys, we've we've uh, we've covered a lot of stuff today. We've covered a lot of ground. We have a lot of the, the longest podcast we've done so far. So, but it's really good. I really enjoyed it, and it's and we've gone all the way from the start of Wi-Fi. Why is it important? All the way through the different technologies. We've done Alphabet Soup with eleven A, B, C, 
No, there's no C. Yeah, I made that up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and, and hopefully the customers will understand. You mean the best practices that you could be doing to to, to deploy Wi-Fi and get a bit more under the hood. And 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 anyone listening to the podcast, if you want to know more and want to contact us, please just contact the podcast uh, via Twitter at Justin Woolen or via email at justin.woolen at cicero.com. So, guys, Brett, Jason, thanks very much for joining us today. Hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do other podcasts in the future. But um, thanks very much for joining us today and thanks for listening. You're welcome. welcome.